This morning we're uh, launching a, a series of um, 21 days of fasting and prayer. And um, you all should have gotten a little booklet that kind of looks like this, or a pamphlet that looks like this. I hope you got that. And um, if not, please pick one up before you leave because we, we start today. We start today to pray and fast for the next 21 days. And um, we believe, I believe it's said that if you do something for um, 14 days in a row, if you do something for 14 days in a row, it becomes a habit for you. So what we did was we said, let's do 21. That way you get at least another half a lesson in there. All right? So we're doing 21 days of fasting and praying. This morning I'm going to be speaking on why we pray. And um, uh, we just, I just want to make sure you have a couple things before I get started completely. Another thing that we're offering in the bookstore um, is this little booklet here, 21 Days of Breakthrough Prayer. And it has kind of, it's a little guide that takes you through 21 days. So if you're not sure, like, man, if I pray 21 days, how will I, what will I pray? Get this little booklet. It helps walk you through that along with this pamphlet that we got here. Pastor worked on this and put it together. And um, uh, you'll be blessed by this if you'll just do it. Okay. Um, and so there's that. And um, I wanted to just say that I came up uh, we were talking about this in a, a meeting with uh, our preaching team. We were talking about how to launch this, and we just said, hey, why we pray? And then next week, we're going to talk about why we fast. And then the third week, I forget what we're going to talk about. Probably why we pray and fast. We'll get both of them in there. But um, we're going to be going through this series, and we're going to ask you uh, to pray. And we believe that when you pray, God moves. God does things when we pray. And so um, why we pray? If you recall, probably about April, we started to ask you during our prayer time, if you didn't have a need and you didn't come up here, we asked you to start praying for summer night camp, for volleyball madness, for bungee soccer, for our middle school and high school camps. That's a video of our kids at those camps. So they're having a lot of fun, but also they got to hear about Jesus Christ and what it means to be saved. And that's really what we were praying about. We were praying about youth and younger people and the people of our community that they might somehow become acquainted with Jesus Christ so they might get a knowledge of who he is like you have so that they could be saved maybe from making mistakes at young ages. Let me tell you what the results of the prayers that we did. Not only did those kids all get to go, listen to this. Summer night camp, we figure, we don't have the exact number, but we figure there was more than a dozen children who accepted Christ at summer night camp. Amen? Okay, that was pretty decent. I said a dozen children's lives were changed for eternity. And I, not, I ask you not to discount the fact that they're so young. Please don't discount that. I was saved at five. I'm 61. It kind of stuck, you might say. My Aunt Carolyn at eight, I think it was. My cousins, Deborah, Rebecca, five. Might have stuck. So don't discount when a child says, I want Jesus. And all it takes, right? All it takes is what? Childlike faith. That's all it takes. So middle school camp, 
two middle schoolers were saved at camp, accepted Christ. Amen? We sent 33 middle schoolers to camp. Two were saved. 17 raised their hand on one of the nights to say they hadn't been living in accordance with how God would have them live. And they wanted to change that. You can applaud at any time because that's marvelous. <laughs> Three weeks ago at Volleyball Madness, we had 15 high school students who raised their hand to receive salvation. A lot of those same children went to, or not children, young adults, I guess, at high school level. A lot of those young adults went to the camp. They came back. It was reported to me by Randy and Danny who head up our uh, high school ministry area there. And if you see them, encourage them because they're doing a marvelous job. But they reported back to me that eight of the students want to be baptized. Edwin Chandra has been going out with teams to do um, our mercy teams. He's got a couple different teams that go out and they meet with people that come in just like you did this morning and fill out a card and they say, I want to be visited. I want to know more about your church. I, I want to know more about your God. So he's been visiting the last three weeks. Three people have been saved. <laughs> Amen. This is what we've been praying for. I think when we look at it, I was, I was going over the numbers and I was looking at them going, from the beginning of summer until now, there's 25 to 30 people whose lives have been saved. Yeah. Now, for those of you on live stream that are maybe watching us, or if you're here for the first time this morning and maybe you don't know who the Lord is, you've never met him, you, and, and I use a term like saved, I just want to describe what that is. We believe that Jesus Christ came to the earth, took on the form of man, and died on a cross on our behalf, was buried and rose again, died for your sins and my sins and the sins of the people in this room. And by faith in, putting our trust in that, placing faith in that, you become what we call saved. You get regenerated. You become someone new. That's what we call saved. So if you're here this morning and you don't know what that looks like or you don't you have some questions about that, we invite you to talk to us. We want to talk to you about that, okay? So just when you hear words like that, we just want to make sure we define those for you, okay? So uh, this morning, um, why we pray? Well, I think we prayed and then we saw the results. That's some of the why of why we pray. When we pray, and when we pray according to God's will, He does things, right? Amen, amen. So I... Um, I have this book that my dad gave me um, probably about 10 years ago. I think I got it for a birthday. And um, it's, a, um, it's eight classic books all in one. And um, it's called The Complete Works of Ian Bounds on Prayer. Okay? And so I was kind of charged with why we pray. I, I figured out there's about 120 chapters in these eight books. Maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. Every one of those chapters is a, has a reason of why we pray. So get ready. We're going to go through all 120 this morning. No, no, we're not doing that. 
Um, but I, I just picked out like some of my favorite ones. And I thought we'd talk about those this morning. Why do we pray? What is the purpose of us praying? And so um, I just picked out a few of those and worked on those. And um, if you want this book, um, you can get it at the bookstore. You can order it through our bookstore and they can get it for you. Wonderful read. I would recommend any of you read. You should always, you should always be reading a book about prayer. Okay? That should always be happening in your life. You should be reading your Bible. And what that does is you'll read books about prayer. It will encourage your heart to keep praying. Don't become weary in prayer. Keep praying. And what these books end up doing is they tell you marvelous stories of how God has answered the prayers of people throughout the history of the earth. And the Bible does that too, but these are more modern maybe. Maybe some that you could grasp and, and be a little bit more what your uh, era is, is in life. So um, I, I came up with five that I want to talk about this morning. And um, let's just get started. And the, the first one is prayer helps us to form and build our relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, Christianity, the way I understand it in reading the Bible, Christianity um, in the church today is I, I don't become a Christian so that I can get a bunch of rules and a bunch of laws and a bunch of uh, template of what I should do and how I should do everything just right. I think what happens is I became a Christian not to receive a bunch of rules, but we became Christians because we received Christ. Right? I received Christ. I didn't receive a bunch of rules. I first have to receive Christ. Now, there may be some changes in your life once you do that, but you don't. I received Christ, and that made me a Christian. Not I received Christ, and then I did a bunch of rules, and now I'm hoping I can become a Christian. No, you already have become a Christian. You've already been adopted into his family if you've placed faith, as we talked about earlier, in Jesus Christ. If you've done that, then you are called a Christian. We would call you a Christian today and a believer. And so um, he died for us, and he lives for us daily. Very interesting. The question I think I have for you is, how do you build a relationship with him? How do you continue to get to know him? When you first get saved, when you first place, when I, I was five years old when I placed faith in Jesus Christ, did I know him? Not fully. I'm still getting to know him, and so are you. Phil's been around longer than me, and he's still getting to know him. Christ is still revealing things about himself to us. That's just the way it works. So I want to read this passage to you because Christianity is about relationship. Being a Christian is about having a relationship with God. So I'm going to read this passage. This is uh, Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19. And we're going to talk a little bit about how we form relationships and through prayer we start to form relationships with Christ. For this reason, this behind me, I'm supposed to be behind me here, it's coming up. Let me read. For this reason, I kneel, this is Paul talking in Ephesians, Paul is the author, Paul's in jail at the time that he writes this book. I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, 
He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Sounds pretty relational to me. Sounds like I got to love him and he's loving me and I need to know about the love that he has for me. I'm praying. It's one of the reasons we pray. And Paul is praying that on behalf of the people from Ephesus. And it's what we pray as elders. We pray that for you. It's what you should be praying for us, that we would get to know him in the fullness of knowledge. Now, it's very interesting, and it surpasses knowledge, it's very interesting that Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. There's something that happens when we pray. We receive power. One of the things that I'm going to promise you, I'm going to make this promise. If you decide in your hearts, anybody got this book? Hold this book up if you've got it. Hold it up. I want to see that you have these. Wonderful. So I'm going to warn you something. I'm going to tell you right now. If you make a decision that you are going to do this 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'm going to promise you something. You're going to know Jesus Christ better. You're going to love him in a different way. Here's what happens relationally. Let me think about my own wife and me. We meet and we become acquaintances. Right? We're not good friends yet. We're just acquaintances. We're the kind of people that go, hey, how are you? Glad to see you. Welcome to church. Then there's another level that's a friendship level where you become friends. Now it's a little bit, you spend a little more time with each other. You might even go out somewhere. Now in the case of me and my wife, we started to date. Now I'm not saying you should date everybody that you go out with, but I, that's what we did. Now then, how would our relationship be if we quit talking to each other? Like if we had just met at the acquaintance stage and we no longer talked to each other, would we have ever advanced in our relationship? I can't hear you. No, we would have stayed there and we never would have gotten married and been married for 41 and a half years. Okay? And I know her better today than I did way back then when we decided to marry. And if you've been married for a long time, you would say the same thing. I think you would. Okay? So relationally, it's to love one another. That's the point. You're trying to get to where you love Jesus he already loves you. But listen to this. I like this verse 19 part. And to know this love, which love? The love in 18, may that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. It is hard for me, I think it would be hard for you to wrap around your head how much Christ really loves you. How much God really loves you. The evidences of his love is he sent his son, that his son would die for you. That's some huge evidences of his love. But I don't think that tells the fullness of his love. I just don't think it does. I think there's so much more to his love than just that. So getting to know him, getting to love him, and see his grace at work, that's prayer helps us do that. Okay? Um, a prayer along with reading the word helps us do that. 
It's interesting, though, that he says, and to know, in verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. This seems kind of a weird statement, doesn't it? To know this love that surpasses knowledge. How can you know something that surpasses knowledge? Ah, because it's two different kind of words. The to know this love is used elsewhere in the Bible to talk about the love between a husband and a wife. Okay? So that's a different word, really. And then that kind of love, when it's with God, surpasses all the earthly wisdom knowledge that you could come up with. Okay? So that's kind of where you're thinking there. So it's the, the kind of love that's being talked about. It's intimate. It's deep. It's close. It's unfettered love. That's the kind of love you need to discover in Christ. And it builds a relationship with him. Okay? So this is what Paul is praying for the people in Ephesus, that you'll know him in the fullness of his love. That's what we need to pray. We need to pray that we'll get to know him in the fullness of his love. We have that same capability in us now because he's in us. We can love him like that because he loves us like that. Okay? You right? You with me? So quiet out there. What is it you say, Phil, that you're an antithetical speaker? You're ready for them to say something back? Let me tell you, the early service was better than y'all, and I thought they were half asleep. All right. It's an interesting quote I saw in, uh, in Ian Bounds' book. He says that prayer is the one place when God can get to us and speak to us. Interesting, huh? You would say, well, the word is. But he says prayer is also a spot where you get to do that. And here's the interesting thing. If I talk to you, you say, what is prayer for? Well, it's, you'd say it's for me to talk to God. And that would be accurate. That'd be very accurate. You want to talk to God. That's, that's how you get relational, right? But it's also a time where your heart is settled before him, and he gets to talk to you. And, uh, and if you, I, I told him in the early service, if you start hearing an audible voice, check your medication. I don't think he's talking to you audibly. Okay, but through reading his word and through praying, we call that you inhale the word. Okay, you inhale that. Now, what happens if you don't exhale? You die. You suffocate. You don't keep breathing. So, but what we say is you inhale the word and you exhale in prayer. So you take in what God is telling you and you pray back to him. Okay? That's kind of the, the message there. So we think that we're going to talk to him, but he's really talking to us when we pray. He also talks to us. So why we pray? Build a relationship so that we can understand how to love him better and how he loves us. All right, and um, understanding the Word of God, the Holy Spirit has to be there to help do that. So I don't know how you, um, for years in church, when I read my Bible, I didn't always read it, but when I read it, I just read it. I just would read it. And if you're doing that, don't stop. We want you to keep doing that. But there came a time where I started to study it. And I found out that when I took the time what I, what I do is I pray a little bit before I would read the word, and, and I do this now, before I'm going to study. I'll pray a little bit, and I would ask God to enlighten me what it is he wants to show me in his word. What do you want to tell me about yourself? The more I get to know him, the more I can love him. Right? The more I get to know my wife, the more I can love her. And I get to know all the little things about her. Well, the same thing is true with God. The more you get to know him, the better you can love the more you can love. So I, that's how I do it. I 
just open with prayer, read through it, and then I start reading a passage. I start to study it. And Phil got me doing this years ago. Don't ever read, he would tell me, don't ever read your Bible without a pencil and a notepad next to you. Because you're going you're gonna to come across things as you read. You're going to go, man, i got to look that up. I'm not sure what that is. So you do that. But you ask the Lord to show you those things. And then I would spend time after that praying. And I think after that is when I spend more time interceding for others. And do, but before that, it's all about prepping to look at the Word of God, Him to speak to me through the Word, and then also in prayer. You ever had where you've been studying something and you go along and ultimately your life somehow, a circumstance comes up that exactly what you were reading about is now reflective of something going on in your life. You ever had that happen? Yeah. Happens to me a lot. A whole lot. And um, at some of the most opportune times in my life, that has taken place where you're just thinking, man, everything's going the wrong direction, and you're even in, your, in prayer, and all of a sudden God impresses us. Remember that passage you read this morning? I spoke about this in that passage that you read this morning. Wow. So prayer uh, kind of opens that door up for a relationship with God. Not kind of. It opens up the relationship. If you're not praying right now, if you don't have a steady prayer life, if you've not been praying, and if you're, maybe you've never prayed, you got saved and you never, and some of you maybe are like, I don't pray because I don't understand how to really do it. Well, hopefully some of what we're going to talk about today will help you understand that a little bit. God is so approachable. Amen? God is so approachable. How approachable is him? Is he? How approachable is he? God, that's, he's, he's right there when I say, dear God, God, he's there. He's approachable. I didn't have to get an appointment. Now, I need to make an appointment, but I didn't have to get one. Okay? All right. So the second thing I would go through is I would say prayer helps us with temptation. Prayer helps us with temptations. Um, when's the best time to pray? Before you get tempted? Or during the temptation? Or after you've already fallen into the temptation? All right. So let's talk about it. Luke 22, 39 through 46. Let me read it. Perfect. This is Christ at the Mount of Olives. He's going there to pray. Uh, soldiers are on their way to come and get him in any time. Judas is no longer with the disciples. So Christ goes there. This is what it says. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. Then he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Now, I love this passage. I, I, I love this about temptation. Christ says, pray that you won't fall into temptation. It's proactive it's ahead of the temptation. Isn't it? Yeah. 
They're not being tempted yet. But Christ knows what's coming. He knows that the soldiers are on their way, or soon they will be. They're about to arrest him. He knows what they're going to have to go through. He's saying, pray ahead of the temptation that's on its way. And then what does he do? He now shows them an example. Unfortunately, they were all sleeping, so they didn't see the example. Sometimes I wonder when someone in your life is there to set an example, are you sleeping through the example? Are you paying, have you become sober and been alert? As Pastor talked about in 1 Peter last week about you need to be sober. You need to be on the alert. And in prayer, you need to be sober and on the alert. Guess what? Jesus Christ, God the Father, they know what temptation is headed your way this morning. They know. But I love that we have prayer for temptation, and then we have the example of someone who prayed during temptation. Don't you think that Christ was tempted? Why would he say, take the cup from me? He's God. He knows what the plan is. He came with the plan. He knew what his father's will was. Why would he be tempted? He's tempted in his flesh. He's tempted in the human side. Can you take this cup? Is there another way, Father? But look what happens. He's only there for a moment in that thought. Then what's he say? Yet not my will, Father, but your will be done. Oh, people, pray long enough that your will lines up with his. That's why we pray. I go to prayer sometimes because I don't know what his will is. And don't tell me, oh, I had peace. Well, I hope you had peace, otherwise you shouldn't have moved. But a lot of times I hear that, well, the Lord just gave us peace, so we bought this $80,000 car. Uh, that's what we hear. Let me, let me give you an example of, of how that, how I feel that that sometimes is a little weird. This week, you might have the opportunity to share Jesus Christ with somebody. And maybe, maybe you did it this last week. Let me ask you something. Did you feel peace during it? You might have felt peace afterward, but I guarantee you if you haven't done it very much, you were nervous. And you got a little shaky. And you might have even broke out in a sweat. Oh man, I'm about to tell these people about Jesus. They're going to think I'm a Jesus freak. And if they do, praise the Lord, I hope they think you're a Jesus freak. But it's not always, it doesn't always feel like the peace. It doesn't always have to be peace to be lining up with God's will. Does it? Now, that's a sign that you are in his will, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes you just got to step out in faith, even though you don't feel the peace. I don't feel real peaceful right now. I'm about to witness to these three hell's angels. I'm not feeling real peaceful about it. But I'm supposed to be an ambassador of Christ, so I'm going to tell them. Let the chips fall where they may. But I don't say that during that period of time I was feeling a lot of peace. I might have been feeling like I was obeying because that's why you do it. You obey because you're an ambassador. So I think that, but I like this because watch this what happens. Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. What's the very next line? And then the angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. He strengthened him after he prayed what? For his own will? No, he prayed 
Father, not my will, but your will be done. I've lined up my will with your will. Now the angel comes and strengthens him. You ever see that? It's there. There's a reason it's written in a certain order. You do know that, right? And being in anguish. So even after he lined his will up with the Father, even after the angel came and strengthened him, he's still in anguish. And what does he do when he is still in that? And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. Well, how could Jesus Christ pray more earnestly? I don't even know, but he does. He does. Because he lined his will up with the Father, and the angel, and the angel came and strengthened him, and he was in anguish, but yet he prayed more earnestly. And then what happens? And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. I would love to have a prayer time one time where sweat fell off of me like that. It's never happened to me. Maybe it's happened to you. Never happened to me. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, now he just had what I would call a wonderful prayer time. I would say that was a beautiful prayer time for him. Now he's going, I think he's probably going back to the disciples like, man, this is, man, wait till I tell him what I, man, me and the Father, we met today. Let me go tell him. And what happens? He found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Let me tell you something. Our pastor is transitioning to an emeritus status around here. That's kind of sorrowful if you think about it. But are you falling asleep? Are you falling asleep or are you praying about that circumstance? Hello? Y'all went quiet on me again. Are you just, oh, I'm just so in sorrow I can't pray. Oh, honey, when you get in sorrow, that's when you better be praying. And look how he wraps it up. And I said it loudly earlier for emphasis because I think that's what he did. Why are you guys sleeping? I, I ask you to pray that you might not be tempted. And here you fall asleep. But what does he leave him with? Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. He wraps it. It's prayer, 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 prayer. To not be tempted. I want to get ahead of the temptation. I want to know what God's will is when that temptation hits. Not, well, I'm trying to figure out, is it okay for me to go see that R-rated movie? Oh. I heard there's no nudity, just a whole lot of really bad language I would never use. Uh-oh, stepped on toes. Get ahead of the temptation. Get ahead of it. Say, God, protect me. I don't want to fall to the temptation. And guess what? You don't have to. You do not have to. You leave it with him. I think that I have been a guy that probably found myself over the years praying more after I've succumbed to the temptation. Now I'm praying, trying to get out of a mess I'm in. See, there's nothing wrong with temptation. There's no sin being tempted. It's when you act on it and do the wrong thing. And I've been there a bunch of times in my life. Thank God it's been a while since I've done that. But um, in my early years, I probably gave in more than I should have. And I would then pray about it. And now you're praying for God to get you out of a mess. 
And now you got consequences. Whereas if you get ahead of it, you may actually not have to do the sin. Right? And that's what he's telling them. He says, you're going to be tempted because I'm going to die a death and you're going to think that I've left you. That's going to be a temptation. The devil's going to lie to you every chance he gets. And you're going to fall prey to that temptation if you haven't been praying. Don't fall prey. Be praying. Pray, P-R-E-Y. Pray, P-R-A-Y. Okay? I think that if I would make prayer a higher priority, there'd be a lot less times that I would succumb to the temptations. Because if you got a steady prayer life, you know what I found out? By having a really steady prayer life and communicating with God the Father and, and being in the Word, I find out those temptations really aren't that tempting anymore. They just really aren't. Because I, I, I've aligned my will with God's will. There's no, re there's no need to be tempted if I'm in His will. Is that right? Okay, okay. So, I guess the question is, how do you feel about that? How, how are you doing in that area? You know, are you ahead of the temptation or in the middle of it? Or are you in the after phase? All right. Number three. Prayer is a weapon for us in spiritual warfare. This is in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Let me read it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Because believe me, he's got a lot of them. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And I told you a while back, I've never seen it darker. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Look, you know it says all. Does it say some? Or, well, he's got a big one that gets through your shield. No, 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 no. It can handle all his arrows. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, if you stop right there, you miss it. And pray in the Spirit on some occasions. All occasions. So we pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and here it is again. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Who are all the Lord's people? They're all over this globe. But there's a whole bunch of them in this room. You know, I told the first service, I said, you know what I'd like for you to do right now? I'd like for you to look around you. I want you to identify. Because look, I'm up here and I see all of you, but I don't know who's here and who's not sometimes. Maybe you're sitting in an area where somebody else sits normally and you haven't seen them for three or four weeks. Are you thinking, well, man, they must have left Valley. They're probably out standing doing a No, 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 no. 
Why don't you do this? Pray for them. Why don't you keep on praying for them? And then, oh, do something radical like maybe call them. No one answers the phone anymore. Leave them a message. They'll get it. That's your excuse for not calling when no one answers their phone. Oh, so just quit trying to be human then. No. Call them and say, hey, I miss you. When you're not there, the body isn't complete. We need you to be here. We're going to all, I'm, I just want you to know I've been praying for you. Don't beat them up. They're probably already beat up. Love on them. Tell them you're praying. You tell me you're praying for me, you become my best friend. You just do. Pray also for me. Remember, he's in prison. It's the same book that we read on chapter 3, if he's still in Ephesians. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Now look, I want you to pray that for me, but I want you to pray for the guy next to you. I want you to pray for pastor. I want you to pray for Matt, all the elders, all the deacons, all the people around you. You pray, hey, I want it so that when you present the gospel, it's a fearless thing for you. Yeah. Sometimes you read some of this stuff and think, well, that was just for Paul. Well, if he needed it, I certainly need it. That he might fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. He's in chains, and he's saying, I'm an ambassador of Christ. Would you pray for me that I might fearlessly... You know, you think if this is any time to shut up and not say anything, it's because you're in prison, because you've been saying stuff. I think Paul was hard-headed for the right reasons. I am not giving up preaching Christ. I'm going to preach him. Pray for me that I might make him known fearlessly. I don't, I don't want to tremble in my voice when I tell it. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. As I should. So it seems to me like prayer is part of the spiritual warfare. Because remember up above it said, we don't war against flesh and blood. Do we? No. We're in spiritual realms. That's where the war's going on. Well, guess what? I like to get with the captain or the general of the army and find out where to stand when the war's going on. Right? You don't want to be out there all by yourself. You want some help. And thank God that my help is with me at all times. Amen? You too. If you've accepted him, he's with you. And that should charge you up. You should not be in fear of much of anything. All right. Number four, prayer is a necessity, very necessary, for revival or a spiritual awakening. I'm going to tell you. Well, let me read it. Let me read this passage. 2 Chronicles 7, 13 and 14. Uh, I think Edwin talked about it, I think, during prayer time even. Or maybe it was John, I can't remember. But they mentioned this verse. This is what God says. This is God speaking. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. If you're not living right, that's what he's going to do. But look what he says you can do. It's not hopeless, people. When you look at America and you say, we're all going to hell in a handbasket. I know you've all said that. Yeah. Well, we're just not a Christian nation anymore. We haven't been a Christian nation for a long time. Listen to this, though. Here's your hope. 
If, because look at what he says there. Locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. Not just the unsaved, amongst his people. He's going to send a plague. Why? Because they're not living right. They're not following after God. They're following after some idols. Oh, we don't have idols today. Yes, you do. It's the $80,000 car we talked about earlier. That might be your idol. So here's what he says. If my people, not the unsaved world, the government ain't going to fix it. The government is not going to fix this. But if my people who are called by my name will proudly come to me, no, if they'll humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That sounds like a promise. Does that sound like a promise to you? That's not a fairy tale. That's God talking. But if you don't, I'm going to shut up the heavens and there'll be no rain. I'm going to bring plagues of locusts. They got locusts down there in Las Vegas right now. Sin City. Got locusts. There's a shock. And, and, and I'll stop. I won't send a plague on my people if you just humble yourselves and pray. You know, sometimes I say, I, the, the sermon is why we pray. I want to know why you're not praying. Why aren't we praying? Is it so good that you don't think we need to pray? Oh, man, you know, the world's just going so good. You know, prosperity will stop you from praying. It'll stop you from praying. We met with the elders yesterday, and we prayed for about two hours. Talked about the word and prayed together. We do that every week, by the way. You want to be an elder? Get ready for about a two-hour prayer meeting on Saturday nights because that's what we do. And we pray for each other, but guess who we pray for? All of you. Lord, would you send us a revival? I'd like to see a revival. We need a Holy Ghost revival. But it won't happen if you don't humble yourself. You've got to be humble before him. He said if you were humble, if you would show humility, he would raise you up in due time. Phil preached on it last week. What's keeping you from humbling yourself? Can you, can you save your children? Can you save your neighbor? Oh, I want to be humble. I can't do it. I can't do it. I want my family to be saved. I got a daughter. I don't know if she's saved or not. I want her to be saved so bad. I got to humble myself and say, Lord, I can't do this. I need your help. I'll turn from a wicked way. Show me my wicked ways. I'll turn. I want people saved. And God has been saving people, and I can't tell you how excited that makes me. How thankful that makes me. I, my anxiety flies away when I get in front of him. Because I could come and say, Lord, would you save? I know my will's lined up with you when I ask you to save someone. Yes. Isn't it true? How many times have you prayed this week for someone unsaved? How many times? I haven't done it enough. We don't humble ourselves and pray because we're happy being amongst the wicked. 
can we change? You can't change anything except praying. You can change and be humble and you can pray. You can do that. You can do it. He's got, he's living in you if you place faith in him. He's the one that's got the power to make you humble. He's the one that's got the power to make you want to pray. Why don't you ask him to make you a prayer person? Quit leaving it to the elders and to the staff to pray on Wednesdays. Why aren't you praying? Maybe you are. I'm sorry if you are, but sometimes I think, what will happen if we start to humble ourselves and pray? He said he'd heal the land. He said it. I didn't say it. I'm just saying what he said. Number five. Hang on, I'm almost done. Prayer is valuable to God. Prayer is valuable to him. He places a high priority on it. So high that he put his son at his right hand and he's interceding on your behalf right now. Yeah, while you're sitting here in church, you think, I don't need anybody to intercede for me right now. He's doing it anyway. That's what he's doing. He lives to intercede, it says. Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely. That all by itself is amazing. He can save you completely. He didn't save you partway and then give you a bunch of rules. He can save you completely. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Those who come to God through him, through the Son, you come through the Son, he saves completely, and then look, because he always lives to intercede for them. He always lives to intercede on your behalf. I got this quote I was reading, I think it was in the Inbounds book, and he talks on this, he always lives to intercede. The the quote comes from S.D. Gordon, I don't know him, Phil may have heard of him, But I love the quote. He put it this way in summing up the life of Christ. 30 years of living, 30 years of serving, one tremendous sacrificial act of dying, and 2,000 years of prayer. What an emphasis on prayer. He came and lived here 30 years. He ministered and served here for 30 years. He died on your behalf for your sins. But ever since he's gone back, he lives to intercede for you. Now what it says, I didn't make it up, it says that. And then look at Revelations 5, 8. And when he had taken it, the bowl, the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, the lamb being Christ. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of of God's people. When we prayed at prayer time this morning, all those prayers are being captured in the bowls and are being incensed so that there could be a beautiful perfume smell when you get to heaven. And it'll be the fragrance that God wants before him is your prayers. When you get there and something smells familiar, it's your prayers. It's your prayers. How valuable are your prayers? He wants the whole room to smell like them. He loves the smell of the prayers of his people. He loves them. So you think, I noticed that he didn't make incense out of preaching. He didn't make it out of songs. 
He didn't even make it out of uh, hard work. Witnessing even. Didn't make it out of that. Made out of the prayers of his people. I sometimes wonder if he did that because some of the other areas of, of service to the Lord are gifts that he gave. He didn't give the same gifts to everybody. Guess what, though? I'm going to tell you what. Benjamin, you can pray, and God will hear your prayers just like he does Phil Howard's. And you're not a preacher, and you're not a pastor of this church, but your prayers are just as important to God as those prayers, or my prayers, or that prayer. All those prayers mean something to God. And it's through his son that you get access to be able to go to the Father and pray. Oh my goodness, why we pray. If there was no other reason but to know that every time I pray, it's being deposited in a bowl there, and God is going, ooh, I love that smell. It's my people saying they're humble. They need me. That's what it is. So I think he chose it that way because it's something we all get to do, and it's every prayer is important to God. My little granddaughter can pray for her friends and pray God will save them. How precious is that? Even God hears it. And God reacts to it. You ain't got to be Mr. Spiritual Minded, you know, up in the head up in the third heaven already. You just got to be dependent on God and come to him and pray. We pray because we're humble and he hears the humble prayers of his people. It shows me that God values prayer sometimes a whole lot more than I do. Maybe you too. He's placed a high value on it. As a matter of fact, the, the qualification to be able to approach his throne is you have to have believed in the son who died for you. And then you can approach him. So there's some high value he places on it. And so I just thought, man, for me, It may not be the thing that drives me necessarily, but boy, I sure like to at least get it in the middle of my life somewhere. Huh? Wouldn't you? Don't you think it's important that you pray? Why we pray? That's, guess what? Remember I showed you. The book is full of reasons why. These just happen to be some that I think are so important. They sure move my heart to pray. So I thought I would share them with you. I, I um... I wonder what kind of value you place on prayer. And um, I know that, like I said, I'm, I, I got to get it more in my life, and I don't care how much I pray. It seems like it's not enough. But um, why do we pray? He deserves to hear from you, for one. There's a lot, of re lot more reasons I could get hung up if I go down that trail. But um, that's what I want to tell you this week when you get this book and this book and you start to look at them it says 21 days of breakthrough prayers I want this church the elders, the pastors we talk, We want to see God break through here we do we want to see that holy there's a song that's on one of the Brooklyn Tab albums and I think it's Ron Cannoli and he sings we need a Holy Ghost revival. Revive us. We need a, hey, if you're here today and you're doing everything, you think, man, I, I don't know, I, I'm doing pretty well. Well, praise God for you. 
but we could still, I, I tell you what, I, I'm here and I think I'm doing pretty good, but I think I could use a revival still. I, if nothing else, I'd love to be in a revival where I see other people get revived. That would be, you know what that would be? That would be an answer to the elders' prayers that we've been doing. We, we think that we can take no credit for anybody being saved, but I'll tell you what, those people being saved, I can know that we prayed. I know that we prayed that God would save. Did we, Edwin? We've been praying God would save. Edwin went to someone's house. He wasn't even there to visit that man. He was 70 years old, and by the time they left, the man said, I want to pray for Christ in my life. Because somebody was praying ahead of that. I must stop, not because there's not more to say, because there's a ton more that could be said. But I will pray. Father, how we thank you that you gave us this amazing gift. We can go to the God that holds everything in place. I heard one man say, if, if one molecule was running around crazy out there, I'd be nervous as I'd get out. But we know that you've got every one of them in place. We know that you're in charge. And then you said for us to come to you and ask to come and build a relationship with your son. Praying brings me closer to him. The more I pray, the more I love you. The more I, I get to know you, the more I want to love you. The, the more I, I, I just, I can't get enough of you when I'm in prayer with you. And so we just thank you, Lord, that you made it. It's really pretty simple for us to pray. It's just a matter of saying, Lord, and you're right there. You hear us and you're ready. And you, I think most of the time when we get prepared to pray, you've been waiting a long time for us to get there. And so we just thank you, Lord, that you gave us this wonderful gift. May we utilize it in humility. May we come before you and pray for a land that we're in that desperately needs you. And I pray for this church, Lord. I would love it if you would sweep through this building. Save those who have been coming who don't know you. Maybe they've been coming for a long time and they just never have really placed their faith in you. Oh, Lord, today, would you reveal your son to them? We thank you for uh, just these five why we praise. There's a whole bunch more of them, Lord. But I thank you today that you've allowed us to talk about them and that you are uh, in charge of every word that came out, Lord. May it uh, land on soil and be planted in the lives of our people. In Jesus' name, amen.